Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, hey, we're going to jump into our message today. Um, last week, we kind of started the conversation about prayer, and today I just want to kind of piggyback on that. I want to take the conversation a little bit further, because if you're like me, um, maybe a lot of us, I, think, I, I guarantee you there's a ton of different views in here about prayer. There's a lot of different people in here that are brought up with different kinds of prayer. There's a lot of different things that were modeled to you, taught to you. And what we believe about prayer, I guarantee you, is a little bit different from everybody in here. There were prayers that I, were taught, that I was taught when I was a kid. I remember um, going to bed every night. My parents would tuck me in and they would pray. And, and, and one of the prayers that I remember, the prayer that, that we would pray every single night, it went a little bit like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. You ever thought about how creepy that prayer is? (laughs) I mean, seriously, like, I remember as a child, I remember when I got to the point in my life where I could logically think about what what I was saying and what I was doing, I remember thinking, why am I going to (laughs) die? Time out, mom, dad, hold on. What did I miss? Why are we dying tonight? Why Why is the Lord taking my soul? This is frightening. This is weird. But we prayed it every single night. It's just what we did. Maybe you were taught a prayer to pray before you eat. I, was, I grew up in the church, and I was taught at a young age to pray. And, and a lot of my prayers were like, I, I asked God to come into my life. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I asked him for direction and for clarity. And I asked him to heal me. I asked him to protect me. And ever since then, I've been asking him for things. And I don't know where it happened, but somewhere along the way, prayer became central to me. It became all about me. Maybe you pray because you've been taught to pray. Maybe you pray because you're scared not to pray. Maybe you don't pray. And the reason that you don't pray is because you prayed for something that was near and it was dear to your heart. Maybe you had a, a sick relative and you were praying for your aunt and you were like, if there is any prayer that God should, that he could, and hopefully that he would answer, it's this prayer right here. And you pleaded and you prayed to God, but you didn't hear anything. And not only did you not hear anything, it turned out worse than what you even imagined. And you stopped praying Because God didn't do what you thought God should do. You thought, you know what, if if this is how God operates, if this is how God answers prayers, I don't have time for this. I I don't want to deal with this because obviously it doesn't work. And if we're honest, prayer becomes nothing more than a good luck charm in our life. It's It's a mystery and it's confusing and it sometimes can be even frustrating because We're trying to figure out the right combination, and if I fold my hands, and if I get on my knees, and if I close my eyes, that was always an interesting one as a kid. Sit around the dinner table, and we'd pray, and have to close your eyes, and me and my brother and my sister, we'd always peek, and even though we were opening our eyes, we were trying to catch somebody else opening their eyes so that we could tell. Mom, his eyes were open. That prayer don't count. This food is not blessed. We need to do it again. Open eyes. Threw a flag, bringing them back 10 yards. Here we go. It's, it's, a, it's a mysterious thing. But what if, what if what we thought, what if what we were taught, what if what we've been modeled to about prayer 
wasn't right? What if prayer isn't about getting God to give us things? What if prayer is not just about our needs and our wishes? What if, what if that's only a small portion of it? What if, what if we're in the corner of, of, of this giant house of prayer and, and we've just been hanging out in the corner of our, for our entire lives because of what we know or what we've understood about prayer? What if, what if there's more to prayer? I think there is. What, what if we've missed it? What if... What if we were to go our entire adult lives and never really understand, and because we don't understand, what if we never really connect with a heavenly father who desires to connect with you? Luckily for us, the Bible gives us a model of prayer. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at the words of Jesus. It's a common passage. It's the Lord's Prayer. A lot of us have known it. Maybe you used, to, you used to quote it with your team before you ran on the field. The Lord's Prayer, though, is, is not a prayer just to recite. The Lord's Prayer is a model. It's a template. It's an instruction. It's a flow of what prayer should be like. And we know this because Matthew chapter 6 is not the only place we see it. Matthew chapter 6 is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was literally teaching thousands during this time. But the next time that we see the Lord's Prayer is in, in, in the book of Luke, a couple Gospels later, where the disciples come to Jesus, these Jewish boys that were raised in a Jewish culture. You better believe they knew how to pray. These guys were forced to learn to quote the Old Testament, which is full of prayer. So they've been praying their whole life, and they come to Jesus in Luke, and they go, Hey, Jesus, um, we've been hanging out with you for a little while, and we notice you pray different than we do. I think we may be doing it wrong. Could you, could you teach us to pray? And Jesus then quotes the Lord's Prayer. But when he does, he misses a few words. And you're like, Jesus, you, you messed up the Lord's Prayer. Come on, man. This little, you should know this. But that's not the point. It wasn't about the words. This is an order. And Jesus alludes to a different kind of prayer. A prayer that's not just about bless me, protect me, save me, heal me. Something that goes much further than that. What if we've missed it? Now, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't need to be taught about prayer. I know what prayer is. Prayer is just talking to God. And you know what? I, 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 I would have agreed with that. But I think we're wrong. I think it's more than that. We're going to look at the words of Jesus because Jesus, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, what he taught, it was different. I mean, he, he taught people to love their enemy. You don't get a following that way. So his words, they have weight because they bring life. Matthew chapter 6, the verses leading into the Lord's Prayer, Jesus sets a foundation for us. Before you pray, let's get some things right. And he sets us up to win at prayer. Matthew chapter six, verse five, it says this, and, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So notice the first thing that Jesus points out is the location of prayer. 
Location is important. Hey, if we're going to pray, don't do this and don't do this there. Now, clearly in the context that he's talking about, we understand that the motivation of these, these people praying was not the motivation that Jesus wanted us to have as we walk into prayer. These guys who were praying on the street corners or in the synagogues, they were not praying to connect with God. They were praying so that everyone would see them praying. They would label them. They would, they would think things about them. Man, they're so good. Man, they're so holy. Man, they can pray to God. Man, God, they are all in for God. And that was their reward. The location was important. And then Jesus says this, but when you pray, when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Now, I like this part of the prayer. Jesus, the son of God, recognizes that we pray to a God who is not seen. I like that. Because it's weird sometimes that we're praying to somebody that's not there. If you did that to anybody else, people would lock you up. Jesus recognizes that. But location's important. Why? Because it's a foundation. Now, don't get hung up on this, go into a room and close the door. That's not the point of this prayer. That's not the point that Jesus is trying to make. And we know this because the Bible says that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness. That was his closet. That's the door that he closed. It's not about closing a door. This is about an environment in which you can establish a connection with your heavenly father. I think about it like this. Me and my wife, uh, we will be married for six years in September. Um, We've been together in February for 15 years. High school sweethearts. We will now like have hit the point in our relationship where we've been together for a, a little over half our lives. I know this woman. I know she's she's one of the only people in the world that I know her phone number by heart. I know her. I know her. We, we, we live in the same house, we eat the same food, we sleep in the same bed. I mean, we know each other, but here's what I found to be true. A couple years into our marriage, my wife, my wife would start saying things to me, and I didn't understand. In fact, I even kind of made fun of her a little bit. We'd be laying in bed, and she'd go, babe, I miss you. And I'm like, well, girl, I'm right here. <laughs> and she's like, no, I, that's not what I mean. like, I miss you. I didn't know what she was talking about. She's like, I feel like I don't see you anymore. And I'm like, I've been here every night this week, girl. You want to see me more, just open your eyes, watch me sleep. I'm here. (laughs) That's not what she was saying, though. Because there's a difference in talking to someone in the everyday hustle and bustle of life. Man, we can we can come in after work. Hey, babe, how's your day? Hey, we got dinner going. Hey, we need to go grocery shopping. Hey, we got a meeting. We got a birthday party. Um, text her during the day. How's it going? Babe, I love you. You know, we can do those kind of things. And I can live three feet from the woman that I love, and I can drift from her. Because there's all the world the difference in talking through the everyday busyness of life and then going on vacation and getting away, being face-to-face and talking driving in the car for hours and just talking, sitting at a dinner table and just talking and hearing how she feels and she hears how I feel. There's all the difference in the world because one deals with the chaos and the busyness of life. The other one is about connection 
in an intimate relationship that God designed for marriage as a mirror of the relationship he desires with us. So when you go in your room and you close the door, this is not about closing a door. This is about establishing a connection with your father who is alive, who is living, and he desires to connect with you. So you go into your room and you close the door. This goes beyond just help me, teach me, bless me, protect me. It's different. Then he says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And we go, all right, that's what I'm talking about. We got a reward here now. Honey, I'm going, after we get home, you know where I'll be. I'm shutting the door. We're going to get some rewards today. That's not the reward he's talking about. We know that. It's a different reward. We'll talk about that. Then he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they know, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. That word heard there in the Greek means that they think they will be taken seriously. You don't have to say these eloquent, amazing prayers. When I was in college, I lived across the hall from a guy named James. And James, man, he was amazing. I would stay up late at night and just let James talk about the plans that he had, you know, that God was going to use him. Because, man, this guy was on fire. And and I remember sitting in Mrs. Wright's English class and she asked James to pray over the class. And when he prayed, the words that came out of his mouth, I was like, oh my, I felt like God was going, shh, listen to this guy pray. (laughs) I mean, it was amazing. But Jesus says, that's not what prayer is about. I'm not going to take you more seriously because of the words that you say. In fact, he says, do not be like them. For your father who knows what you for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then this is the part that is really confusing. Wait. Our father knows what we need before we ask him. What am I going to talk about when I go in there and close the door? If I don't need to spend time asking God for what I need, what are we going to talk about? That's how I pray. confusing. But Jesus says, you ask, you want to know how to pray? This is how you pray. You don't need to spend a lot of time there. If you've ever asked that question, well, if if God knows what I need before I ask him what I need, then what should I, you're on the verge of a prayer breakthrough. If you've ever wondered why we talk to God, even though he knows our hearts and he knows our desires and he knows our futures, and you thought, well, then why, why am I praying? You're, you're on the verge of a prayer breakthrough because there's more. So then Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we pray, the first thing that we do is we declare his greatness. Hallowed be your name. God, to be honored is your name. To be surrendered to is your name. Holy is your name. When you start your prayer, don't rush to you. Spend some time acknowledging who it is that you're praying to. And here's what we discover when we spend some time embracing, when we spend some time inhaling, when we spend some time experiencing who it is that we're praying to, all those things, all those unresolved issues that we feel so compelled to bring to him to resolve, they all start 
to diminish. Because as we recognize the greatness of our God, we begin to be reassured that whatever it is we feel that we need to bring, that we can't handle on our own, that he is fully capable and he is fully able to handle them. But I would venture to speculate because I know my prayers, that most of our prayers don't start this way. Heavenly Father, and I say Heavenly Father because I know that you live in heaven somewhere up there, and I've been told you're my father, so Heavenly Father, thank you for the air that I breathe. I've heard that before. All right, let's get to business. I need, can you give, can you help, can you protect? Jesus says, hey, you want to know how to pray? I'll teach you to pray. Because you're missing a critical piece. You declare God's greatness. You, 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 you declare his, his power and his might and his worth over your life. You invite him into the space where you are. If you don't know what to pray, this Bible is full of prayers. The book of Psalms is full of prayers that you can read to God, declaring his worth and his power and his greatness. We've got amazing worship songs that people have written that, that, that you, can, you can read to God because it literally describes what your heart is feeling. You declare his, 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 his greatness. Hallowed be your name. And when we do that, church, it, it, it reminds me of the context in which I live. It reminds me of how great God truly is. It, it puts me in proper perspective that all of my problems and struggles and all the things that I feel, that I feel pressed to bring to my God, that God who is great by nature. Because of who he is, he deserves my surrender. He deserves my submission. He deserves my follow. Jesus says, once you're alone, you close the door and you're not worried about the words because it's not the quantity or the quality of your words. And you move past just asking me for what you want. I want you to spend a little time. How much time? As long as it takes to let it sink in. As long as it takes to help you recognize who it is that you're talking to. I want you to spend a little time here in church. This takes discipline because we have been taught and conditioned to blow right through this part. I want you to stay on that subject long enough that it begins to sink in. that You serve a great God. You and I have been given the opportunity. We've been invited by Jesus to address him as Heavenly Father. So would you stay here a little while? Would you not let the the issues that are pressing down on you, would you not let them rush you by this? Would you stay here a little while? Long enough where you understand who it is that you're talking to, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I think I'll just stay there a little while. You declare his greatness. But then he goes on to the second part of this prayer. And this is the part we push back on. This is the hard part of prayer. This is the point, though. This is why we pray. Verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You, you declare God's greatness, but then you surrender your will. This surrender part, man, this is hard because before I get to my needs and my wants and my wishes, I just want you to know, God, that whatever, whatever it is, whatever your answer is, I just want you to know your will before mine. 
your kingdom before my kingdom. I'm going to declare your greatness, and then I'm going to surrender all of me to all of you. I want you to know that your agenda for my life supersedes my agenda. I want you to know that your agenda for my business, your agenda for my kids, your agenda for my dreams and my vision and my purpose, that it supersedes mine. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. In other words, in my world as it is in heaven. And this is where we go. Nah, I can't do that. What else you got? What else is there? There's There's three parts of this prayer. I'll just do one and three. Let's skip over two. God says, that's the point. That's the point of prayer. Maybe there's more. It's, it's, it's not just to get stuff from me. It's not, it, church, prayer is to bring you into alignment with God. All of your dreams and your, your, your vision and, and your purpose, it's, 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 not, it's not for God to unlock those. It's to bring them into alignment with him. That's what prayer does. That's that's. That's different. I I want you to come in. I want you to close the door. I want you to get by yourself. I want you to declare my greatness, and then I want you to surrender your will, and I want you to do it genuinely and authentically, and I want you to stay there until you can 100% say, God, your will over mine. Your will over my will. Church, this this is where life change happens. This is where God isn't just a category, where prayer isn't just a box that you check, where Jesus isn't just a guy who who walked the earth centuries ago. This is where God becomes a personal Lord and Savior day to day. This is where he breathes life into you. This is where you hear people talk about, man, when I pray, I hear God speaking to me. I feel led God for for me to do this. I feel like God has given me a purpose. This is where it comes from. I, I grew up in church. I used to hear this all the time, and I'd go, What? What are you talking about? I'm missing something because that's not my experience with prayer. That's not my experience with God. I've never heard him. I've never felt him. That's not what I've experienced in my life. Maybe we've missed it. Maybe we've been wrong. Because this is it. And Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? I'll teach you how to pray. I want you to spend a few minutes recognizing who it is that you're praying to. And then I want you to declare the greatness of your heavenly father. And then I want you to do the next logical thing. And that is to this guy that you're declaring his greatness and you're, you're talking about how good he is and you're telling him that you trust him, I want you to actually do that. I want you to surrender your will to him. I want you to do that. You wanna know how long it takes to pray like that? As long, that, that depends on where you are in your relationship with your heavenly father. Here's the interesting thing. There's a couple times in in scripture where we see Jesus praying. And there's a couple interesting prayers I think Jesus prayed. The first one was when he was on his way to Bethany. He's going to see a guy named Lazarus. You guys probably heard the story. Jesus shows up late and everybody is mad at him because Lazarus has now died. And they're like, Jesus, if you'd have been on time, this man would still be alive. But guess what? God doesn't show up on our time. And Jesus, I, I love his demeanor. In this story, because he's like, guys, calm down. You know, he's, he's like a little, he's a little hipster hippie there, you know. He's eating all organic, and it's just like, ah. <laughs> Nothing bothers him. You're like, man, this guy's extremely chill. And then he prays this prayer, and, and what's interesting is the length of, of prayer that he prays. It's like a 10-second prayer. Look it up in the Bible. He's about to raise a man from the dead, and he prays for 10 seconds. And this is how his prayer goes. 
God, I'm, I'm praying to you so that people can see me praying to you so they know it's not just me, you know, because I know what you're about to do, so let's do it. And that's how his prayer goes. I mean, it's like, boom, that's it. And then he goes in and he raises Lazarus from the dead and people lose their minds. 10 second prayer, so quick. Contrast that to the night before he was crucified. Jesus and his disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane and the Bible says they spent all night there praying. Hour after hour after hour from dawn until dusk, Jesus is praying. And the Bible says that he's praying so intensely that the drops of sweat coming from him are filled with blood. Wow, what a difference between those two prayers. What is going on? The night before Jesus is crucified, he comes smack dab into reality what the will of the Father is for him. And he doesn't like it. So he spends all night surrendering his will until he can get to a place he's okay with it. And how do we know that? Because of the prayer that he prayed. Do you remember the prayer? He says, God, if there is any other way, God, if, if you can solve this problem, if you can resolve sin any other way, please do it. But not my will. Your will be done. It took the Son of God all night, struggling and wrestling with the Father to surrender his will. You want to know how long you should pray? The length of your prayer is not determined by the willingness of God to answer you. The length of your prayer should be determined by your ability to fully surrender to him. It's a different way of praying. It's a different way of playing. And listen, if, if you aren't to a place where you can fully surrender to him, why don't you stay there a little while? Just stay there. Stay there a little while. Listen, some mornings it takes five minutes because everything's good. Marriage is good. The finances are good. The kids are good. And you're like, God, you're so worthy. And God, I, I, today is yours. Be with me today. We're good to go. But some days... The marriage is tearing and the finances are scarce and your kids are lunatics. <laughs> and you're like, God, I, this morning I, I know you know what I'm about to ask, but before I'm about, to, I'm about to ask that, I want you to know that even if you say no, even if life never goes back to the way it was before, I want you to know that I'm, well, God, I want it to be okay. God, I, I want to be surrendered to you, but I'm just not there yet. And you know what? I think God understands that. If you're not to a place where you can let that go yet, why don't you just stay there a little while? And if you can't get there today, why don't you just, why don't you pick it back up tomorrow? Why don't you pick it back? God, I, man, I want to be there, but God, I just, I, I can't let this go yet. I can't give this to you yet. That's okay. Why don't you pick it back up tomorrow? And why don't you keep, do, why don't you keep wrestling with God? At least you're not just saying prayers anymore. At least you're pursuing a relationship. It's different. It's different. It's different. Let's start with God. Let's declare his glory. And then I want you to surrender your will, your whole will to me. And if it takes a while, that's okay. That's why the door's closed. And if your prayer's simple, that's okay, because it's not about your words. It's about the relationship that I want to be characterized by intimacy. 
Because church, when, you're, when your faith intersects with God's faithfulness, life change happens. Because here it, it's finally personal. Sometimes it's emotional because it's finally relational. It's different. It's different. God's not just a category. He's your heavenly father. And that's why the death of his son was so important because it paved the way for this kind of relationship. You declare his greatness. You surrender your will. And then he says this, and this is our favorite part because finally we get to ask for something. Yes. Give us. God, give us. Give us. Give me, give me, give me. Give us today our daily bread. Third part of the prayer is you acknowledge your dependence. Give us today our daily bread. Now, this had a lot of connotation for Jewish people. Give us today our daily bread. When Jesus says this, it brought back imagery of their ancestors in tents, crawling out of these tents where they found little pieces of bread and cakes on the ground. They crawled out of the tents. They began to eat it. You wonder who tried the first one. Like, what is that? (laughs) Jimmy, (laughs) you'll eat it. Go ahead. But it was God providing manna from heaven. And we know, we know that God was teaching, teaching them that, hey, I will supply your meal every single day. And we also know that the point of this, because of what the prophets said, they said this, there's going to come a day when you no longer have to gather your bread daily. There's going to come a day when you have so much bread that other nations are going to come to you and get their bread from you. But here's what I want you to remember, that whether you have a little or you have a lot, that it all came from me, that whether you have just what you need or all that you need, whether you have a little or you have plenty, that it all came from God, that he's the one that provided for you. And so when you ask me, I want you to ask from a place of dependence. God, I, I know I need you. God, I recognize this is all from you. You ask from a place of dependence. And then he says, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Declare your dependence on me for your pardon of sin too. So I'm going to declare my dependence on you for my provision and my pardon of sin. But I'm also, because of of what you've given me, I'm going to pardon those who may have committed sin against me. God, I'm so dependent on you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm going to declare my dependence on you for my protection as well, God. God, I'm asking you to protect me from the evil one and from myself. God, protect my family. God, I acknowledge I am so dependent on you for my protection. You declare his greatness. You surrender your will. You acknowledge your dependence. How long does that take? How long do you have? You start with God. You end with you. It's that part in the middle that's hard. Whose priorities? Whose agenda? Whose will? I know it's scary. But have you ever done that? Have you ever asked that from God? I, I remember in college, this used to be pretty easy for me. In college, I used to pray this all the time. God, man, I've, God, I'm surrendering everything I have to you. God's like, you, you got an off-brand laptop and some thrift store clothes. How generous of you. And I'm like, God, send me wherever you want to send me. He's like, you didn't have any plans anyway. (laughs) And I remember I I used to pray against the will of God because as a kid, we had people, we had this this missionary from Africa and he came to my church and he was telling us about, you know, what he's doing there. And the only thing I remember about Africa is what he told me he ate. He was talking about these live bugs that they ate for dinner. 
and he ate this fish that wasn't dead yet, and I thought, nope. <laughs> and I used to pray. I used to pray, God, I, I want to do whatever you want me to do, but Lord, please don't send me to Africa. I will die there, God. I can't do that. I mean, it took me years to try sushi, y'all. I can't. I'm, I'm not eating nothing like that. But as, I, as I've gotten older, I've realized that praying that prayer is, is, is way harder. And it's not a prayer you can just pray once. But now I've got a house, and now, now I've got a 401K, and now, now I'm married, now I've got kids, now I'm trying to accumulate, now I'm, I'm launching my own business, and, and God, man, he's saying, hey, I want you to authentically surrender at every stage of your life. Whew, man, that's scary. That's different. You ever done that? Listen, if it scares you, it means that you're taking it seriously. If it frightens you, it, it means that it means something. God, today, God, I'm, I'm going to bring you my family, and I'm going to bring you my friends. But God, there's, there's this guy. I don't think I'm ready to give him you, you yet, because that scares me that if I'm going to surrender everything, that's the first thing you're going to ask for, and I don't think I can let that go. I understand that fear. I think God understands that fear. You say, hey, I'm good with surrendering things, but my money, you don't understand. I, I think about money differently than everyone else. I grew up poor. This is my security. I, I, just, I know you, talk, you guys talk about tithing and, and how God blesses, but I, to give God full access to my money, whew, I don't think I could do that. That's a conversation you need to have with God. Can I let you in on a little secret? These things that we hold tightly, these things that we don't surrender, if you think that God can't get that because of a decision you haven't made yet, your God's about this big. You underestimate his power and his ability because God can take it at will. And the fact that he hasn't is a testament to his grace and his patience and his love for you. Because listen, that's not what he's after. But if the key to getting you is this, he will wait you out. Because that's who he is. And if you're not to a place where you can fully surrender that, that's okay. But stay there a little while. Let's make it personal. Let's talk about this. God, uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, this is probably my last train out of singleness, God. God, he's so close. I came home the other day. He was wearing a Creekwood shirt watching TV. He's so close. I can feel it. But okay, God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know what? You know what God get, God doesn't get him. He gets the last piece of you. That's what he's after. God, God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need you. He's God. He's got more money than you can ever dream of. That's not what he wants. He doesn't need your money. That's not the point. But if the key to getting you is that, that's what he's after. You're the prize. Church, can I tell you, surrender gets such a bad rap. It gets such a bad name. But you know what surrender is? Surrender is just an invitation for someone else to lead. What better? What better person to lead you 
then the God that created you, the God that is pursuing you, the God that created prayer as a way, as a platform to, for you to fully know who he is so you could fully know who you are. What if we got it wrong? With all of our best intentions and the best teachings, what if, what if, what if we've missed it? What if, what if this the season of prayer that we're fixing to go into as a church. It's 21 days of prayer. What if, what if we prayed that way? What if, what if you did this? What if you declared his greatness? I, I know, I know it's different. I know it may make you uncomfortable. I know you may not have never done that before, but why don't you stay there a little while until it sinks in? God, you are great. God, you are patient. God, you are merciful. God, you, you want what's best for me. God, you are good. What if you let that sink in a little while? What if that changed your perspective? What if, what if then you moved on to surrendering your will? And man, I know it's scary and I know it's threatening, but listen, what if, what if you stayed there? And what if you began to wrestle with God? And what if you said, God, I'm, I'm good with this and I'm good with that. But as I'm praying this, I, I, I realize I can surrender eight of the 10 things. I think God is honored by your honesty. Because he wants all of you. You know, you know what part of, of you Jesus died for? It was all of you. And we know, we know that God deserves it because he's God. And we know that he's earned it because of Jesus. But the point is, where do you stand relationally with him? Jesus says he wants to hear you say it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Church, this is where life change happens. If prayer is the way he accomplishes that. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Declare his greatness. Surrender your will. Acknowledge your dependence. This is how Jesus says we're supposed to pray. Would you pray with me? God, we, God, we recognize, we recognize who you are. God, we thank you that you are a patient, patient, patient God. God, that you don't force yourself on us. But God, through your, your love and your mercy and your, your incredible ways. You wait on us, God. God, I pray today that whether this is a refresher for us or a game changer for us, God, that prayer would be more than we ever imagined. We would discover a new place. We would discover a new life. We would discover your presence, God, in a way Maybe we've never, we've never discovered before. 
We thank you for who you are. Go with us. Be with us, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.